There's so much glory in the earth right now. There's so much power being unlocked in what God's doing right now. He's going to do some awesome stuff today. If this is your first time, it's great to have you. Um, it's really good to have you. Um, God is pouring out his spirit. We've had some of the dreams that people are having is amazing. Some of the things I'm hearing from people just that God is showing them is so dead on. And you see this picture begin to come together that from all different streams of people, I'm getting these emails and texts and all these Facebook messages and they're all coming together like this beautiful puzzle that only Holy Spirit can do. I mean, only Holy Spirit can put these things together. Last Sunday, a word came up in our pre-service prayer time about uh, in the, just things with tattoos. It, it was this word I've never had in pre-service prayer before. And, and then after the service, I got a text from Peg over here about something with a tattoo. I'm like, that's weird. No one has ever texted me about that before, and we've never prayed about that before. Yet God's connecting these things in the spirit realm. See, God's always speaking. He's just looking for people that are hungry enough to hear him. Hunger really affects perception in the kingdom. The kingdom is, an ex is, is meant to be experienced. I, I've got like literally two sermons I could preach right now, so I'm kind of going to bounce a little bit back and forth between them and then see where things go. The kingdom was meant to be experienced. The, the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say, oh, know and study that he is good. It says, oh, taste and see that he's good. Amen? And so one of the things that he's commissioned us to do is to carry with us not just an argument, but an experience. You can argue until you're blue in the face with people. It's, it's really, quite frankly, it's quite boring. Some people like it. I don't. I would rather say, let me show you how good God is. And let, instead of me saying, I'm going to try to convince you of how good God is. You see, there's something important. I, I was studying this morning. I came across a passage that I, n I never grasped this before. I uh, apologize I didn't write it down, but Google it, or however you search your Bible verses. But there's a passage that was in the Gospels that said that it's, Jesus was speaking, and he said that the people of Capernaum would actually be more harshly judged than the people of the land of Sodom. This is, hang with me. Why? Sodom was, the, the, the land of Sodom was a pretty terrible place. You, you understand there was tremendous sexual perversion going on. It was, it was bad. But Jesus on record says, the people of Capernaum will actually be judged more harshly than them. Why? Because you got to live around signs, wonders, and miracles, and you never believed it. Does that not speak of how highly he values signs, wonders, and miracles? That he would say, as bad as all this sexual perversion over here is, it's actually going to be judged more so that you got to be around all of my signs, wonders, and miracles and didn't believe them. Somewhere along the way, the church decided 
that that was optional. When actually God backs the message with signs. He doesn't, you see, some of the things you'll see is you'll see a move of God happening, right? And, and what can happen is, is you'll find out that the leader, let's say it's a, a leader is living in sin, but yet he's on the pulpit and he's preaching and people are getting saved, they're getting healed, they're getting set free. Why? Because he backs the message with signs, wonders, and healings. He doesn't back the messenger always. Now, don't get me wrong. If, you're, if your character is not, above par, you're going to create a mess. But when we have experiences where I see people ministering and you're thinking, what in the world is going on? God responds to hungry people. God responds to hungry people, and, he'll, and he, there's some people that he uses sometimes that you're like, what in the world? I know, that, I know that we've gotten really judgmental on this, and I've, I've hit it before, but if you could have hung around with the disciples, guys, if they were to walk in, all 12 of them, and sit right here, I think most of us would be like, these guys are, who are these guys? That guy, that guy sitting there, man, he, Peter is his name? He never shuts his mouth. He's saying, have you heard all the stuff he's saying? And, and you understand that God took these people, not because... Their qualifications weren't based on their history. It was based on their hunger. And so God has this massive, he has this tremendous passion that when he sent his only begotten son, he perfectly represented him. And what did he do? He walked in signs, wonders, and miracles because he backed up the message with the miracles. You're so quiet. I think I know where I'm going now. You see, there was never meant to be a divorce of the Bible and the supernatural. People, you meet people, I'm a, I'm a Bible guy. Well, I'm a supernatural guy. Who said they had to be separated? say, well, I'm a teacher. Well, you're not a very good one if you don't do the signs, wonders, and miracles, too. I'm a terrible teacher if I tell you about something that I can't do. <laughs> I had a little sleep, and usually I'm a little spicy when I don't sleep well, so hang in there with me this morning. <laughs> Last time I didn't sleep well. I, I don't filter as quickly. I got to hold on. I... <laughs> All right. Jesus has this tremendous value, though, for the supernatural. And he backs his message with it. And there's this passage in Matthew 4.17 that if you want to flip there, feel free to. But it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says this. And it said, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody say, repent. Now, here's what happens when you read this message. People say, well, that's what Jesus was saying, get saved. 
Well, that's your version of the word repent. Now, you have to repent to get saved. That was not a trick question. You have to repent to get saved. But it's by walking in, all right, that word repent, simple Bible lesson, means to change your thinking. So Jesus says this, he says, listen, he says, you need to change your thinking for the kingdom of God is at hand. But here's the thing, most of us change our thinking just enough to get into the kingdom, but not to bring the kingdom here. We changed just enough thinking to step into the kingdom, but there has to be a continual process of changing our thinking if we want to bring it here. Here's, here's something you have to understand about this passage. This passage was not about Jesus talking how to get you to heaven. It was about how you get heaven here. He didn't say repent so you can go to heaven. He said repent so that because the, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here, but if you don't change your thinking, you can't have it. And so he's saying, I need you to repent, change your thing. See, we think just get saved. We've taken that word, repent, and just only thing it means to most folks now is get saved. But th- he was not talking about that, actually. The context of what he was trying to say is, is here's the kingdom, guys. If you'll change the way you think, it's yours. It's your thinking that unlocks it and locks it. The enemy can't lock it from you. He's not that great. People blame the enemy for some things that, honestly, so many times it's just our stinking thinking. That well, it's the devil. So, well, no, no, you, you're just agreeing with him. He can't lock you out of anything. He doesn't, you understand, he doesn't have the keys anymore. So the idea that the devil would actually lock you out of what God has for you is ridiculous because he has no keys. It's when he tells you what to say and he tells you what key to take and you lock it. And then we lock ourselves out and then we go into this crazy warfare stuff and we're like, devil, 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 devil. And Jesus is like, just open the, the, the stupid door. Sorry, I haven't slept a lot. <laughs> I didn't sleep a lot because the Lord woke me up at 1 a.m. to intercede over something. But so, so here he is. We, we're, 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 we're telling the devil we're kicking and chopping and fighting and, and all this stuff. And God's just like, just take the key and open it. I love, I, I think one of the greatest passions I have is to meet with people that have been, they have been lied to through a message of striving and be able to bring the simplicity of the gospel that comes to them and says, listen, it's, it's really easier than you think. You are already built in his image. You don't have to figure out how to act like him. You already naturally, that's in you. You see, you know how kids are like, like, I have three kids. A couple of them are probably a lot more like my wife's side. And I'm not saying anything by that. I'm, but the sweet, kind one, though. No, so, no, no, my little girl, my little girl, Addie, is definitely probably carries the most of me. It's just we, she agrees. All right. So, and uh, 
Listen, I can get in trouble with you all day, but if I get in trouble with her, I got to go home with her. So, you know, Addie, Addie is the one that it's just naturally, she kind of acts like daddy. I see her, I see things she does. I see when I was little, I acted that way. My other two are much more extroverted. They're like, take me, drop me off at the party. It was not me. If you knew me, a few of you knew me when I was younger, I was much more quiet. I remember I was talking to Jan over here, Jan Griffith. She's known me since I was, what, four and uh, she made this remark. She said, we just didn't, said, we just didn't know what was in you. And I, and because I really was more quiet. I just, that's my personality. And so that's kind of Addie. She's like, I'm, I'm quiet. And I don't have to tell her, Addie, act like your daddy. Because it's just kind of in her, she acts like me. If someone's trying to tell you, just, you know, let me tell you how to act like Jesus. Listen, you need to just be unlocked to the place where you can naturally just be like what's in you. But what's happened is, is we've made everything that's in you sound bad. And so you've gotten this idea, well, if it's in me, it's bad. If it's in him, it's good. Problem is, is that he's in you. So then that must mean what's in you is good. <laughs> This is fun. So he says, he says this. He says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So imagine if there's this big, beautiful home, and, and you've got a key now, and you repent, and you unlock that door, and what's happened is you've stepped into the kingdom. Good, great, you're in the foyer. How boring is it, though, to go to a friend's house, and you stand in the foyer while everybody else enjoys the food, drinks, and has fun? And you're stuck in the foyer. And then people say, well, church is boring. Well, of course it is if you live in the foyer. And so here's this picture of the kingdom where we say, well, I've repented and I've stepped into the kingdom and I'm in the foyer. Yay. And then people say, church is so boring. <laughs> church you go to. But stuff we see here sometimes, I'm like, man, that was weird. <laughs> Last week, man, it was crazy. I, I had a couple people get up and leave, and that's never my heart. But listen, when God's moving, I'm not going to stop him. I'm just too hungry. See, God's shifting something over Charlotte. Charlotte's had some really bad things said over it, and it's religious, and it's all, oh, that's changing. That's changing. I, I, I just can't accept that anymore. You see, there used to be a time where I would drive down Providence Road with my parents when we lived in Waxhaw, and I remember I could cross over a certain point on the road. I'll never forget it. I've always been a feeler, and I can feel a lot of stuff. And I'd cross a point in the road, and I would immediately feel the heaviness on me. I would feel it. I, I would know, and I remember one time I asked, I said, hey, where do we just enter into? And I remember my... I remember my mom or my dad said, we just crossed the Mecklenburg County line. I didn't know that. I was like eight, you know? I was just like, something just felt weird when I crossed over. Every time I crossed this point on the road, I feel it. But you see, something's changed. About six to nine months ago, we were riding down Providence Road, and we got about two miles away, and my little nine-year-old girl says, Daddy, what had just happened? Because I just got goosebumps all over my body. Because something is shifting over our city, and it's not going to be the religious city anymore. It's going to be a free, wild city for whatever God wants to do. Some of you are catching on. 
I want to get to the point where our neighbors, I don't know why, every time from 10.30 to 12.30 to 1, they're sitting there and they get goosebumps all over there. What happens? It's an overflow. It's an overflow. <laughs> he said, repent. He said, repent, but he didn't say, keep repenting though. Keep changing your thinking. That's why he goes in and he talks about being renewed by the, being renewed by, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing. People say, well, you're not going to pull the wool over me. I'm not going to change what I think. You're going to have a boring life because you can't go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory without at some point having a changing of the way you think. Jesus was the one that came in and said, change the way you think, not me. He said, change the way you think. But what's happened is, is people that cloak themselves in wisdom, which is really fear, come to us and they say, don't let anyone change the way you think. The religious spirit says, you're not going to change what I think. When Jesus' foundation for his message was change the way you think. Light bulb. <laughs> Fill it in the room, clicking. Change the way you think. That's how we advance the, chi- the, the kingdom is changing the way we think. I think more like him. I become more like him. Many things we just change the way we think about sin. If I were to ask you in this room, if I was to ask any believer, any Christian, this person has a sin issue. What should they do? Well, they should repent and come to Jesus. We've got that one. This person has really bad pain in their back. What should they do? We should call the doctor. I have no problem with doctors whatsoever, quite frankly. The thing is, is we figured out, we've changed our thinking in one area. And he says, if you want to walk in the fullness of the kingdom, you have to change your, your thinking there too. And the same response, that thinking is saying that the cross was good enough to pay for the power of sin, but not for your healing. When, if I'm correct, that the power of the cross was great enough to meet every need. And he said that all things are now possible. All things are now possible. Come on, say all things. See, I went and uh, my life changed when uh, I took my youth group to a conference uh, about uh, 2010, I think. Is it 10? Um, I was a youth pastor. Most of you haven't heard this story, so I get to tell it to new people. I had planned this great beach trip with our youth group. They'd already paid. And like a month before it, I had begun hearing these, this music by this band called Jesus Culture. And it, something in my heart was coming alive. Because I'm the guy that's always like, Lord, what are you breathing on? I want it. And so he was breathing on it, and I could feel it. And so I, I, I remember, I'll never forget the day. I was actually sitting in this, uh, a room over here by the bathrooms, and Tiffany called me up and says, you're not going to believe this. Jesus culture is coming to Atlanta. 
If you don't know this, they were at that point out in Redding, California. It's a long drive. And so they, they were coming to Atlanta, and she said, and you're not going to believe it. It's the same weekend as our beach trip. I said, well, perfect. I'll cancel the beach trip, and then I'll offer refunds if anybody wants them, and then we'll put the money towards this, and it's already planned and paid for and done. The youth didn't all feel that way. <laughs> Some of them were really angry at me, like, I canceled their beach trip. They're like, really, Atlanta? Yay. <laughs> and I remember I went there, and all of a sudden, we stepped into this atmosphere, and I'll never forget when they started, I felt something in my spirit that just encountered what God's doing in the earth. And I began to encounter things, and I, on the, we, we experienced miracles. We were experienced all these different things. And the last night of the conference that we were there, uh, I was sitting halfway back, two-thirds of the way back in the middle, and there was all of a sudden this group of people that began praying in the middle. That happens sometimes at youth conferences. Some people start praying together. It's like, oh, that's cute. And, and then it started growing and growing and growing, and all of a sudden now it's like from wall to wall is people in this huddle that are praying, and it got loud. You couldn't even hear the music on the PA system, pre-service music, because they were so loud. Now I'm getting interested. I'm kind of that, you know, that... That Zacchaeus thing came out in me. And I'm like, I'm literally, I, I couldn't get down the aisles because they were lined up down the aisles. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go over the chairs. And so I climbed over every single row of chairs and I got to the front row of chairs and I looked, I get up there and I'm like, what is going on? And I look and here's two of my teenagers, I'm like my teenagers, proud moment right there and there and here it is and they're hold, one of them's holding one hand of this guy and so we'd seen this guy all weekend he had no fingers they stopped his hand stopped at these knuckles and the kid was amazing he literally could throw a football he his whole life he'd been that way and so here they are, they're, they're praying, and I see he's got his hands like this, and I see uh, my young guy's holding one hand, and one's holding another hand, and you know what starts to happen? His fingers start to grow out, and all of a sudden, when I look at him, he was a, uh, I don't remember if he was African American or Hispanic, but his skin was naturally darker, but what happened is, as the new skin grew out, it was baby skin, and it was a lighter tone than the dark skin. Listen to me. That will shift something in you when you see somebody's fingers growing out. And all of a sudden, you're not worried about, well, how do I explain that? Who cares? It's like the guy in the Bible that says, all I know is I couldn't see, but now I can. Who cares? Well, you can't do that, the Pharisee said. That spirit is still trying to go throughout the church. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> oh yeah we can because Jesus did it and he said you can do it and you can do more yeah. and so here's, here's, here is all of a sudden we begin to experience these signs, wonders and miracles we begin to see things that <laughs> I don't understand I don't have any reasoning for it I've never seen it I've been in church my whole life never seen this 2012, we go to a conference. Uh, can I just share a couple stories this morning? That's where God's taken in. So um, you can find them in the life of John. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Um, 
we uh, we uh, we go 2012. We go to Pennsylvania. We hear about this uh, this awesome guy, Randy Clark, right? <laughs> if we weren't already getting thrown into the deep end, we go there and we begin to experience things that all of a sudden you can't understand until you're there. People that point fingers at moves of God, most of them have never been in them. I mean it. Most of the people that point fingers and all this. Let me finish a thought, and I'll pull that together. It's, Jesus said the Capernaums will be judged more harshly than those from the land of Sodom for not believing. There is a dangerous thing that happens to people that are in a supernatural environment and reject it. I remember hearing Randy Clark say one time, he made this remark, and it was really unique. I never heard anybody say this. He says, if you're in this room tonight, and you are not going, he said, you're not living for the Lord, and you're not going to give your life to the Lord. You know it right now. I'm not going to. I'm going to. He said, if that's you, I would actually encourage you to leave. He says, because people that sit in signs, wonders, and miracles for year after year, month after month, that harden their heart, get into a dangerous place. I've met them. I've, met, I've known people, some of them for years and years and years and years and years that I loved, that hardened their heart. And it was one of the saddest things because there were some people with beautiful hearts because they decided, I don't believe anymore. They would have been better off to have left a long time ago because something happens that Jesus said, you can't do that. And I meet people sometimes, they're some of the most bitter people that sit in it. And they're like, I don't believe in this. I'm here because my wife made me be here. And it's sad because they become some of the most bitter people. Can God save them? Absolutely. But what's my point? It's so important that when there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when God does what he's going to do at the end of this service and he did at the end of the last service, when God's moving, that we don't have to understand it. I don't understand. I prayed last week, and two or three people's shoulders got healed, and mine didn't. Am I, am I going to pray again this week? Yeah. Some of you are like, oh, I don't. It's not that big of a deal to me. I'm going to get healed. But I prayed, and multiple people. It was, it was the one I called out, and it was shoulder healed, shoulder healed, shoulder healed. And I've had really bad pain in my left shoulder because I have a slight tear in my AC. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe. See, what people do is they begin to filter things through the negative experiences. When God moves, I don't have to understand it. I don't. I think I'm greater than I am if I think I can understand everything. He just said, obey, do it. And so that's what I do. I do it. I do what he says to do. So Jesus says, here it is. The kingdom of God is at hand. Take it. How do you take it? Just change the way you're thinking about it. Because his job 
Jesus' job was to get you into heaven. Your job is to get heaven to earth. We come into a service. I hope the Lord wants to. Lord, I hope you're going to do something good this morning. I love the people who are like, let's just go for it. I love this group that's coming together up here. There's so much of this feeling. Let's just get it. Is anybody hungry enough in this room that would say, I just want him? I don't have to understand it. I don't need a, I don't need a Bible verse for everything. <laughs> well, that person fell on the floor. Show me that in the Bible. It's in Psalms. It says, God that sits in heaven does what he wants. <laughs> Google it. It's there. I said it in a pastor's meeting one time, and I'll never forget it. It was the funnest thing ever. Uh, you know him, uh, uh, the Threet's dad. Uh, Leon. Leon's a great guy, man. Super, like, put together, you know, hey, John. And uh, I remember he was sitting there, and he was, I, I, I said, I said, it's easy, Leon. Here it is, Psalms 10, I can't remember, 10-something. God sits on his throne and does what he wants. Leon, where is that? He's like, I like that. He's like this really, you know, just really like authoritative gentleman is like, yeah, you know. And uh, listen, I think God just gave it a, a, a he's like, listen, I'm not going to go contrary to my word. But he said, listen, if it's not going against the rules, go for it. Freedom. Some of you are like, well, hey, I can feel it in the room when I say it. Well, I, I like the, there's boundaries. There's these good, people that usually are all about boundaries are all about creating a false sense of security for themselves, that they call it wisdom, and it's, they're scared to death of what God's doing. And so those are the people coming, well, there's not a lot of balance in that church. <laughs> Can you imagine when Jesus preached to people? I bet they were like, well, well you could have said that better. <laughs> I mean, for real. We've, we've read these scriptures, guys, but some of the things he said, you know, I mean, <laughs> when he talked to the, the crowd, that, and I want to end on this, when he talked to the crowd where he multiplied the fish and, and, and the bread, they brought this to him. I just got a word, actually. Um, I feel really important. They, they brought this to him, this, this little bit, but it was going to become something so much larger. See, what sometimes the Lord does in the spirit realm is he does this thing called first fruits. Some of you experienced things like 10 years ago that are just now really starting to happen. But you had a taste of it like 10 years ago. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's okay. Um, I, I, I've heard some preachers say that, you know, what God was doing in this revival was actually already starting in my church 10 years ago. It's just it never, it was a first fruit of what was getting ready to happen. And what happens is, is sometimes there's these first fruit moves of God where we experience something that there's something greater coming, but we have to know how to handle the first fruits. When they brought the bread and the fish and the loaves to Jesus, there was something that had to be done for that first fruit, if you want to call it that, to be able to become what was needed for all these people. 
And it was not what most of us think. Some people, it was faith. Actually, they gave thanks. If there's anything I wish I could impart over every person, it would be a thankful heart. I really don't know much that can't be handled by a thankful heart. I don't know many things that can fight a thankful heart. People that have a thankful heart are the people I really like to hang out with. It's not because I just, I'm some poor soul that needs to be made to feel good. It's because they represent the Father well. And here's Jesus. He's at, he's at, the, he's at the shoreline, and, and they bring this, this, this bread and this fish, and, and says, all right, this will do. And they say maybe 15,000 there. We got this first fruit. How do we take it and steward it and make it into what we really need for everybody? Jesus says, let me give thanks first. Takes it. And he gives thanks. What happens? Thankfulness is so powerful in the kingdom that it carries the ability to do a few things, but one of them is it carries the ability to sanctify, and the other one is it carries the ability to multiply. I could dig through this all day with you, but we're going to have to wrap it up. When he gave thanks, multiplication happened. For the sanctification part, if you're wondering what that is, remember when Paul, there was food. It had been set aside for idols, right? Demon food. Right? That's what it was. And so you can't have that. That, that, that was, that's demonic. And he said, well, let's give thanks over it, and that will sanctify it. Why do you think that... There's so much power that when you can give thanks for somebody, that really rubs you wrong. But when you can actually give thanks for them. I tell people all the time, especially spouses, where there's a situation where one spouse doesn't want to come to the church and one does, and, they, and she's like, well, or he, the one spouse says, I can come, but I don't know. I say, will they bless you? Will they bless it? People have a hard time blessing what they don't agree with. People have a hard time being thankful for something they don't agree with. I'm not saying give thanks for things that are wrong. What I'm saying is, is there are people that God will have in your community that when you can begin to give thanks for them, it can actually begin to bring sanctification to them and to you because you can give thanks for them. Giving thanks is powerful. Giving thanks was, let me, let's, let's wrap it up on this. I'm jumping around so much, I don't even know if I can find where some of these are. Sorry. Let me look, and then I'll tell you. I believe it's in John 6. You still with me? There it is. John 6, 22. Interesting thing. So this is after, this is after the Lord gave thanks, and, um, and he multiplied the bread, and he did this crazy cool miracle. And this is, I believe, yeah, the next day. It says, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats from Tiberias near that place, listen, where they ate bread after the Lord gave 
things. Something interesting in this passage that people don't think about. Here they are the next day. They're out on the sea. And they're looking. It says the disciples had left. The other boats had left. Everyone had left. And here they are. They're on the sea. And they're looking at this spot. And they say, that's the spot where the miracle happened. They ate bread. And Jesus gave thanks. It's kind of a weird thing to say, right? It's kind of like for me, if someone came up here and I prayed over someone, let's say right here, and they're in a wheelchair. And my prayer was, Lord, I just thank you for their healing. I give thanks for who they are. This is typically how I pray, honestly. I just thank you for what you're doing in their life. And they get up and they walk. Now, imagine if the church saw that. And it was, yeah, it's amazing. And then a friend comes and you were to say, that spot over there is the spot where John gave thanks. They actually highlighted that Jesus gave thanks. Instead of just saying, that's that spot where 15,000 people were fed off this little kid. He had bread and he had a fish and it multiplied. They say, that's the spot where he gave thanks. It's so powerful what is wrapped up in a thankful heart. And so what we're going to do and and what we're going to experience this morning, and I believe this, is that we're going to experience some things, but here's how we're going to handle it. One of the things that robs people of their miracle is not being able to give thanks when they only have the first fruit of their healing. Say that again. What robs people of the fullness of their healing so often is when they only experience the first fruit of their healing and they don't give thanks for it because they never get to experience the multiplication of their healing, and they never get to experience the fullness of it because they couldn't give thanks for the little bit. You get what I'm saying? When someone comes up and they're in terrible pain and it just goes down a little bit, that's a great place to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Can I tear down some mindsets real quick? But instead of doing that, what we tend to do is, well, you know what? Let's just believe that as you go home and he'll heal you through the rest of the week. And we've got all these cute sayings that are typically like, I don't know what else to do right now. (laughs) I'm being honest that we don't know what to do right now because it didn't work. Instead of just stopping and saying, it feels a little bit better. Let's give thanks. Give thanks. Let's pray again. Listen, if Jesus had to pray multiple times over people, we may have to. I mean, he prayed and they said, well, I can see like trees. I think the people trees. Jesus, let's do it again. Pray again. Are you hungry? Holy Spirit, we just want to right now welcome you. I know you're here. I know you've been here. I know you were actually here before the lights were on, waiting for us. But I still want to welcome you. I'm going to ask everybody that's hungry for the Lord just to take a moment and to welcome the Holy Spirit here.